welcome to the Pub on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. Uh, I am also Mr. Steve, the storyteller. You can find me on YouTube, Storytime with MR Steve. And every other time, I am May Lynn, which is my new feminine name. Let me tell you, my face isn't used to two things, shaving and makeup. It is. They are both a bitch. Yeah. And they are very difficult. My face, I am shaving and then the hair pops up 12, 12 hours later. Literally 12 hours later. I shaved last night and I can already feel, I think you can hear the hair on my face. It's very difficult. My, 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 in, the entirety of my everything doesn't want me to shave. I felt that my hands were, were a giveaway. I'm trying really hard to be passable when I put the effort into it with the makeup and the outfit and everything. That it, it, it means a lot to me that I can go about into the world as a woman. And I felt that the hands were a big giveaway because I had very hairy uh hands like a like a hobbit so i tried shaving my hands i shaved chunk of my hand off you can see there there's a yes. hole where brown skin used to be so that was fun shaved off a part of myself anyway this is the monologue uh we have a new format it's shorter usually last one was that much shorter but hey there were, I had to talk about gender and the Macy's Parade. Two yes. very important things to me. Huge, huge fan of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I posted video of it on Twitter, but words cannot express how, as a Midwesterner, as someone who lives in Oklahoma, uh, how important it was like an hour into the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade where we heard, where we heard the first of this holiday seasons bc clark's jewelry jingles yes we did a shop about that i believe oh we the did. long one of the longest running commercial jingles of all time has just been playing since the 1950s and and on thanksgiving day you start hearing the bc clark's anniversary sale jingle everywhere in the midwest and so it meant a lot when that commercial first came on uh bunny Yes. Uh, I wanted to bring this up in our monologue. Earlier this year, Ridley Scott released a film called The Last Duel. We, I talked about it indirectly a few episodes back, episode 421. I, I had tickets to go see The Last Duel, and I wasn't excited about it. And, and it's, oh, hey. Can't wait to see this nearly three-hour-long medieval rape drama. I hear it's really going to be a, a laugh-minute yeah. tear, uh, a laugh riot, a roller coaster of a film. Oh man, the explosions, the terrorists—really going to be fun, you know. Especially when Shang Chi starts riding the dragon. Really yes. excited to see the last duel. But then when I got to the theater to see The Last Duel, they said uh, we had to cancel that showing. 
So here's a free pass to go see a movie at another time. And also, you can just walk into whatever movie you want. And I was really excited, and I went to go see the kids' animated movie, Ron's Gone Wrong, and it was funny as hell. And I was really excited that I didn't get to see The Last Duel. Yes. And I... Uh, because I didn't want to, you know, spend three hours of my life watching a dreary medieval rape drama. And apparently a lot of other people felt the exact same way because the film was not a success at the box office. And, you know, I, I, we, have, we, are all, we have all lived through a traumatic experience and we are still living through a traumatic experience. And there are people around us that are dying of this illness. And while those people are dying of an illness, we have all of these people that have just detached themselves from reality and won't do what is right and get vaccinated. And, and right now is a time of, of difficulty and trauma and sadness. And there's death all around us and sickness. And so... Maybe now isn't the right time for a Holocaust movie. No offense, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, bleary, depressing dramas where a bunch of people die, you know, it, it, maybe now's not the right time for that. Because we're yeah. all bummed yeah. out. Yeah, we, we have the pandemic, and we have fucking people, fucking right-wingers threatening to kill us all the fucking time. Yeah. We need escapism. Yeah. That's what yeah, we need escapism, and, and so, hey, maybe now is not the right time to release The Last Duel, Ridley Scott's The Last Duel. So, uh, The Last Duel wasn't a hit at the box office, and Ridley Scott, in, an in, in a recent interview, is now saying that the movie's failure is the fault of, quote, Empath apathetic millennials who only want to be taught things on their phones. He's always been an asshole. Yeah, Ridley real Scott fucking... has always been an asshole. So this is just the latest in his, you know, and it's always the, the filmmakers who are not doing as well as they think they should that come out with this kind of crap. Ridley, yeah. how many times have you been trying to go back to the well with Aliens and with Blade Runner and anything else you've made, trying to recapture who you once were. So shut the fuck up and get to the back of the goddamn bus. Yeah, he also blamed the failure of his new movie, Aliens 14, on, quote, them darn teenagers who keep throwing their frisbee into my front lawn. Yeah. So... Wow, Ridley Scott. But hey, hey, Ridley Scott, uh, don't worry about the failure of The Last Duel because you have two movies coming out this year. And what's your second film? House of Gucci. Yep. <laughs> which we will be talking about in, in the next segment, which is going to be starting right now because I really want to get to discussing uh, yeah. House of Gucci. But so, just to finish uh, on what you said about everything being horrible, you know, I have not yet been able to, with as much as I love him, I have not yet been able to bring myself to watch Jojo Rabbit. Okay, because because I, 
there's enough of this shit in reality right now. Yeah, yeah. There, there are plenty of Nazis. I really yeah, don't... Taika, I love you. I'll get around to watching this movie sooner or later, I promise. I, I, I'm just not in the mood for Nazis right now. Not yeah. in the mood for Hitler, not in the mood for Nazis. Yeah, uh, I understand that. I understand that. Uh, uh, I saw that movie twice, and it's a really funny movie, but also it's a real downer in some parts, and I understand people not wanting to see it. Now is not the time for drama. Now yeah, is I'm the sure time it's for. Great. Yeah. Now is the time for big explosions. Yet. Yeah. I totally understand that. Uh, light, it, just existing right now, just the. the just continuing living is hard work right now. So yeah. maybe mean, now is... You know. we, we've pretty much mutually said that Eternals is a bit too much for us right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Give us fun escapist movies. That's what we need. That's why I like Shang-Chi so much. That's a oh, just yeah. altogether fucking fun. It's just fun. Yeah. So, uh, so cut on the monologue there. I think that's good. Cut on that. Friday! Yes! So I have the AMC A-List, and what that is is a monthly subscription service wherein uh, for $19.95 a month, more in uh, larger markets, I get up to three free movie tickets a week. And from December 2018 to March of 2020, I saw 177 movie showings in a 66-week period of time, which I think is not too shabby. And then the pandemic hit and don't screwed everything up. But now movie theaters are back, and so am I, so it's time once again for some up-to-date movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week! Dun, 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 dun. Thank you. This, in, this week's installment of Steve Stubbs represents my 22nd week back in theaters, and in that time I have seen a total of four, 40, 40, 40 movies in theaters. I saw three movies this week, which I'm really proud of. Also, a lot of people on Twitter, because I try, I don't do it every time, but I try to live tweet the movies that I go to, because uh, it... I knew that going to see three movies a week was going to be a very uh, lonesome experience, so I tried to bring Twitter into it. And a lot of people on Twitter see my uh, live tweets and my reviews and everything, and, and I keep hearing the same thing over and over again. It's like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I want to go see that in theaters. I'm just so hesitant about going back to the movie theaters. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll go see that. I don't know. I'm just still a little bit scared. And it's like, I, I understand your fears about going to the movies. And I would be nervous about going yeah. to the movies, too, if I live in a place where people... If I lived in a big city, if I still lived in Sacramento, I don't know if I'd be going to the movies. If I lived in Phoenix, I don't know if I'd be going to the movies. If I lived in any major city, you know, like any major place, I would be worried about going to the movies. But I live in a very small town in the middle of Oklahoma, and it's just safe for me. Movie theaters yeah. were 
pretty much empty before the pandemic. So it, I am 100% safe going yeah. to these movies that I do because there's hardly anywhere. If there's 12 people in the theater, that's, that's, that's a packed house as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, this week was a drama week for me. I saw the following three movies in theaters. Will Smith's Oscar attempt, King Richard. Ridley Scott's second movie of the year, House of Gucci. And eh, the new Wes Anderson film, The French Dispatch. Now, let's discuss the two movies that have not been chosen as my movie pick of the week. Uh, first off, <coughs> King Richard. This is a really, this is a good movie. I liked it. It was entertaining. In a way, it's sort of a, a... This is a Rocky. There's a lot of Rockies out there. Yeah. I'm not just talking about the Rocky franchise, but I think you understand when I say, oh, this movie is a Rocky. Now, oh, yeah. underdog, no one expects to win. Oh, no way they're going to win. This is a Rocky, and it leads to a big match at the end, and so this movie is a Rocky. And so that's a tried-and-true uh, format, and it's hard to dislike a Rocky. Yeah. You know? And this was a Rocky, and it was a good film, and there were some really good performances, and I really liked it, but I still stand by my feeling that it's weird to have a movie about the two greatest uh, I was going to say female tennis players, but the two greatest tennis players of all time Two of the greatest tennis players ever and have Will Smith star in it. That yes. just feels weird to me. Yeah. And so I, I, I said that on Twitter and I was complaining about like, oh, uh, today I'm going to see King Richard, a film about this and Serena Williams that somehow is all about Will Smith. And, and uh, some person, because if you want to know if you want to know the answer to something on Twitter, just post something wrong, and then a million men will come and correct you. Yes. So someone immediately chimed in, well, the film was actually executive produced by, by Venus and Serena Williams, and they wanted the film to not focus on them, but to focus on their father who sacrificed so much to make sure that they were successful, and that's why the film features Will Smith so much. It's not because, you know, he... And it's like, I okay, thanks for explaining that to me. It's still lame as fuck to go to a Venus and Serena Williams film that's all about Venus and Serena Williams' dad. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm really excited to go see uh, Amadeus. I, I can't wait to see this movie about, you know, Mozart. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. This is this movie Amadeus isn't about Mozart. It's about Mozart's mom. Yeah. Who was like, "Hey Mozart, practice the piano." And he's like, "Oh, mom, I don't want to. That's lame." It's like, "No, it, it's a it, Oh, hey, this movie isn't about the guy who cured cancer. It's about the guy who cured cancer's uncle." Yeah. Who was really nice to him. And it's like, oh, if, I, if, if you make a movie about Venus and Serena Williams, I want it to star Venus and Serena Williams' characters and not, like, their really supportive parents. 
<laughs> yeah. I and I don't think that I that that that's a horrible thing to say. I I think most people would feel that way. That being said, it's a really good movie. It's a really it's a really great film. And there were some parts that I marked out. I did get very angry at the film because it made me cry during a Kenny Rogers song. Okay. It really pissed me off. Because the dad suffered so much, and, and he was getting the girl to practice tennis, and they were practicing at this tennis court, which was in the middle of Compton, and there was a lot of anger and a lot of violence, and the dad sacrificed a lot, and during the day he'd practice tennis with the girls, and at night he'd go to work, and, and he, he would get beaten up a lot in, in this bad neighborhood, and he, he struggled so much, so finally, like, halfway into the movie where they're driving in a free uh, RV to their new home in Florida where they'll have everything paid for because his daughters are going to be tennis superstars. As they're driving in the super expensive RV to their new life, they start playing the gambler. Okay. And it, it makes so much great uh, thematic sense that this dad sacrificed so much on like a just a gamble that their daughters would be the best and now they're going over to this new life and you see him driving off driving his family to their new happy life together as the gambler plays and you got to know when to hold him and it's like god damn it you're making me emotional over a stupid ass Kenny Rogers song so automatically 10 points from Gryffindor yeah but beyond that it's a really great film, and I, I really like it. Uh, it's obvious Oscar bait, but also it's a Rocky. You know, you, you, it's a Rocky. Yes. And a really wonderful film. So that's King Richard. Uh, the second movie that was not chosen as my movie pick of the week is House of Gucci. First off, this movie is two hours and 40 minutes. Okay. You better have a lot to say for a two-hour, 40-minute movie. This doesn't have much to say. Most of it is corporate intrigue and family drama. And the, the Gucci fashion empire being run by a family who are constantly trying to take control of the, the family dynasty and money and... One good thing about the film House of Gucci is that it does a really good job of putting on the screen how I feel about Gucci the brand, which is, hey, look at this. Look at everything on the screen. It's flashy and expensive, but underneath it, there's fucking nothing. <laughs> You know, uh, Gucci the brand and Gucci the movie are like, it, 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 it's vain. It's pretty, and it's shiny, and it's sparkly, and uh, it, expensive, but there's just, there's nothing there. This is, yeah. this barely feels like a movie. It, it's, it's just a bunch of fashion drama and corporate espionage, and it, the movie hardly exists. It's two hours and 40 minutes of a bunch of nothing happening. Uh, 
the people I, I I dare say a lot of the people who say a lot of the people who are right now saying, oh, an, an amazing performance from Lady Gaga are Lady Gaga fans. Yeah. Who are saying, oh, I'm super excited for anything they do, but I just I. I it's it's a bunch of famous people doing varying levels of Italian accents. Jeremy Irons is okay. in there. Jeremy Irons is, is in there. You might know him from his most famous work, Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Uh, uh, hoo He's in it. Uh, Jared Leto is nearly unrecognizable. So, okay. So basically you're saying that House of Gucci is the premiere scene in Inglorious Bastards? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would say that. Where yeah. they were all doing their Intel Italian accents. Yeah. 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 The film the film rides a very thin line between Oscar gold and Razzie gold. Yeah. Well, there's a fine line into there. the whole Oscar bait season now. Yeah. Yeah. That's why next week I'm just going to try and watch non-Oscar bait. I'm going to go see the new Disney film. Uh, maybe I'll go see that stupid Resident Evil film that came out. Maybe even Clifford, for, for all I care. Just yeah. nothing serious. I don't want any more. We're, we're in award season, and I just don't care. So well, even, even the entire slate that you went to see this week, it's all Oscar bait. Yeah. You know, Ridley yeah. Scott sure as shit thought that that was going to be his Oscar movie, which is part of why he's pissed. I feel that Ridley Scott saw the script for House of Gucci and said, here's my attempt at making my own Goodfellas. Yeah. But with clothing and just, like, you can see that that's what he wants, but that it's just not what it, it, he didn't land it. Yeah. And I don't understand why to play the part of, like, one of the 55-year-old fat, balding, overweight, cheeky brothers. You got Jared Leto and put him in a bunch of old guy makeup. Why did you do that? Why Jared <laughs> Leto? You could have hired an actual overweight, balding man to play this character. It's like, uh-huh, we need someone to play an 82-year-old. I know, Timothy Chalamet. Like, why did you do that? Why Jared Leto, and his character is the most annoying fucking character that I've seen in a long time. It, it, like, he should like, he can be in the next Fred the movie. Yeah. His character from House of Gucci, you can just pick him up and plop him down in Fred 4, Return of the Freds, or something. That is, that is frightening. Yeah, annoying as shit. House of Gucci, it's barely there. It's a whole bunch of nothing. It reminded me of a joke from Louis C.K., who I, I'd hate to quote him because he's a piece of shit, but he has a joke where he, he... I went to the opera, 
And I, I, I sat there and I watched the opera and I said, look how much work it takes to bore me. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's basically House of Gucci. It, 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 an interesting thing is that there were 12 people in the theater for the first showing of House of Gucci, all women. Not a yeah. single man wanted to see House of Gucci, and I think that says something. I think that I think that House of Gucci is going to skewer more female than male, is what I'm saying. So those are the well, two films. Yeah, you know, I, you, you you're not look look at how I dress, okay? Yeah. You're not catching me with a movie called House of Gucci. The way you didn't catch me with the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Like, yeah. right in the title, you have absolutely nothing that interests me. Yeah. I... Now, if it was the Gucci Ninjas... Ooh. I might be... See? See? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I yeah, might be interested. Yeah. You know... If a stylish pair of stiletto heels explode, I might be curious as to the, what the rest of the movie might be. Yeah. A, this movie is not for us. No. <laughs> I, will see, I will see They Call Me Bruce 20 times, and I'll see House of Gucci once. That's just who I am. If... if if the head of Gucci, okay, were to train mosquitoes to attack a coastal resort town, I might be in. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go see that. Uh, I am tripping balls right now just staring at the tickets falling <laughs> in the... Uh... In, in the background here. I'm just tripping balls watching it. It's uh, fascinating. Uh, man, Ridley Scott, he said, man, I've got two Oscar baits coming out this year. I'm going to be walking away with all of it. I can see some, like, Lady Gaga getting a nomination, maybe Adam Driver getting a nomination, but I don't see this movie sweeping, you know? Because yeah. there's just, there's not a lot here, and it's not fun to watch. It's it, it's an airport movie. It's uh you're 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 on an eight hour light movie, but it's not a film that willing to waste two hours and forty minutes of my life to again. Yeah. So that's House of Gucci. And finally, the movie pick of the week is the French Dispatch, which I didn't fucking see. Okay. I, the French Dispatch ha, came out a few weeks ago, and I've been waiting to see it, but it's, sh- it's, it's showing at that one theater on the opposite side of Oklahoma City. That's like an hour to get to. An hour, maybe an hour, 15 minutes. It, it's, it's like 70 minutes for me to get from my small town to this one theater, yeah. Quail Springs Mall, and 
pre-pandemic, I would do that. Hey, sure. I, you know, 2019, Steve, will happily drive 75 minutes to go oh, see... Oh, God, yes. You have and you've done several times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll drive 75 minutes away to go see the next X-Men movie in IMAX because I get a free keychain. But I'm not that guy anymore. And I just don't want to drive that far to go see, even if it's for a Wes Anderson film. Like, I'm not that person anymore. So, I, so I've been waiting for the French Dispatch to come out at a closer movie theater. And it finally came out at, at a theater, AMC Classic Crossroads 16, I think. It's right in, it, 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 was, it opened in like 1990, and you can tell, because it's all neon and flashy and stuff. And it's also seen better days because it opened in like 1989 or 1990. And, and it was built in front of a mall which just long since closed down. And so that's yeah. kind of sad. It looks like, you know, 20 other malls that are, that are in this country. So, it, but it shows a lot more movies than, you know, my six or eight screen movie theaters here in town. So that's where I went to go see the surprise Disney screening like a week or two ago. Yeah. That was fun. So they, I saw that, that starting this weekend, they were showing Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, and I was all <coughs> excited, and there were tickets Saturday afternoon, and I got the okay from the family and from the wife, and Natasha was like, I'll take care of the kids. You deserve this. You worked so hard with the kids and taking care of the family that you go on a Saturday afternoon, enjoy yourself, here's some money for popcorn, you're going to have a blast. And I went, you know, as the woman that I am, because I'm basically she, her all the time. Now, Max, can you help them get the new remote? Please, thank you. Uh, so, so I was really excited, and it was, it's about 35 minutes away, and it, it's like, hey, this, this will be worth it to see Wes Anderson's new film. I'm so excited. And I get there, and I give them my phone, which has my ticket, and they, they look it up, and they say, hold on. I just need to talk to the manager really quick. And the, the ticket lady just disappears, and I'm just standing there. And I'm like, fuck, what's happening? And the manager comes in and says, yeah, I'm sorry. We're not showing this. And I'm just standing there, and I'm like, but I have the ticket. And she says, no, we're not showing the movie, period. We physically could not download it. Wow. So I can give you a free ticket to go see something else, or if you want, you can see another movie that's starting soon. And the only movie that was starting soon was fucking Ghostbusters. So it's like I drove, I drove, not even, no, no, the movie, the movie theater's like 45 to 50 minutes away. It's 35 miles away. Yeah. So it's like I drove 35 miles out of the way just to see the fucking Ghostbusters movie again? Are you fucking serious? I was so goddamn disappointed. I tweeted it at AMC Theaters. They have a customer service line. And, and, and I, I sent a message to them, and I was so fucking upset that, like, I, I came so far to see Wes Anderson's new movie 
only to see fan service the fucking movie again. <laughs> it pissed me the fuck off, and I was so upset. And then I came home, and Natasha's like, hey, I got this... Uh, 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 Really nice, expensive, uh, you know, uh, uh, steak sandwich for you. And I'm like, that's so nice. Thank you. This makes me feel better. And I ate half of it, and I put it in a container, and I set it on the table, and I said, I'm going to save the rest of that for, for tomorrow. And I went to go talk to Natasha, and 10 minutes later, I come back, and apparently our cats have learned to open containers because my sandwich is entirely gone. Oh, my God. And then... Uh, I'm cleaning that up, and, and, and then I wash my hands, and it burns because I shaved a chunk of my hand off. Yeah. And so it was just, well, I had go, the let's worst. Let's go back to the cats because this is a serious safety hazard. Yeah. Because if they can open up a Tupperware container and get your no, sandwich. No, no, no. Okay. Okay, I was trying to remember the name of it. It was a Philly cheesesteak, and I got it from Domino's. And they're really, really good. And it wasn't a Tupperware container, but those Philly cheesesteaks come cardboard, in, like, like, a cardboard a, container that has, like, yeah, a little like, latch, like a, and it like does close. Like a pizza box. Okay. The, okay, but that's besides the, the point. If the cat can do yeah. that, the cat can fashion a shiv. Pretty much. You're going to have to the watch cat was out able to. This is the cat was able this to cat on the has table. A serious health risk now. Yeah, the cat was able to get on the table, see that my uh, uh, Philly cheesesteak box was closed, open the box, remove the sandwich from the box, and eat the sandwich on the table. Yeah. So eventually, I'm going to be seeing the cat. You know. Carving shivs, making makeshift tools, and just... I gotta watch my back now, but anyway, like yesterday was just the yeah, worst I, luck. I, you, you've gotta keep an eye on them to make sure that they're not, like, hot-gluing pixie skip stick tubes together and sharpening yeah. them into a shiv and coming after you. You know, that would... Yeah. That would you well, don't what type want of that a... on your tombstone. But I've never heard this before. We're not showing this movie because we couldn't get it to download. Yeah. No. I, I've never heard of anyone say that. And it fucking enrages me that I drove so far just to see the goddamn Ghostbusters movie again. It's getting to the point where I'm noticing small, tiny things. Uh... The kids are driving in the Ecto-1, and they get pulled over by the police, and they don't have a license or anything. Bye, Max. I love you. They don't, it, the kid driving doesn't have a driver's license, and they're like, oh, no, what do we do? What do we do? Look in the glove box. And they look in the glove box, and there's, there's just a Twinkie in there. And it's like, oh, okay. I can now realize that that's a callback to the first Ghostbusters movie. And it's like, imagine this Twinkie is all of the, oh, that's big Twinkie. And like, okay, that's a callback to the first Ghostbusters. Another thing that I noticed is that uh, Egon dies, and so this family goes to this small town in, in this totally Oklahoma and not Canada. And they go into his house, and there's a giant stack of books uh, all stacked up in like this giant tower or pyramid or something. 
And like, ooh, spooky. Is that a ghost? Did a ghost do this? One of the books is the sappy teen science fiction romance novel Allegiant. Okay. Why is a super smart fucking physicist, why does he own a copy of the sappy teen science fiction dystopian sci-fi romance novel Allegiant? That makes no sense to me. Yeah. That's like if you're if you're making a a, a fictional film about uh what's a famous like do, it, it, if you're making a Doctor Who film and you notice that in his TARDIS he has all of the copies of the Twilight Saga. Yeah. Like I the fact that Egon Spengler has a copy of the teen novel Allegiant. I find less believable than tiny marshmallows coming to life. Yes. It's just fucking ridiculous. Anyway, I'm pissed off at AMC theaters. I'm pissed off at Ghostbusters. I'm just pissed off is what I am. Bye. I love you. Have fun, okay? Have fun. So, yeah, so that's my movie pick of the week, The French Dispatch, which I didn't get to fucking see. I, I found a bootleg somewhere and like I kind of want to see it but also I'm just pissed off that was the one movie I was looking forward to this week and, and fuck I'm just upset I'm maddened I'm enraged right now yes ah, okay so 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 that's it for Steve's stuff of the week. Next week, I'm going to finally see the goddamn uh, new Disney film in Canto. Frozen for Mexicans. Uh, Rosen. I don't know. And uh, maybe the new Resident Evil. I never saw any of the Resident Evil movies. I don't think I've ever even played any of the Resident Evil games. I have seen Resident Evil being played before. Because I have, I had, no, I have bought weed in the 90s. Yeah. There was always a dealer on an Xbox playing some game, and I always remember it being a Resident Evil. And you can't, you can't just go and buy the weed, you have to sit down with them for like an hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. And pretend you're fucking friends. And so I've seen a lot of drug dealers play Resident Evil, and that's all I know. And, and so I'm not the right person to go see the new Resident Evil film, or maybe I'm the perfect person. I, I haven't even played the game. Hey there, Emerald. I haven't even played the games in a while. That was some pretty-ass pink. Yeah, it was. But anyway. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, so, so I, I wouldn't be... I, I would have to replay the games, although I did enjoy the games. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I might go see that next week. Who the fuck knows? Anyway, uh, that's it for Steve Stubbs this week. Join us next week for more up-to-date movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week. And cut on that. <clears throat> Red leather, yellow leather. Funny. Yes. Are you ready for America's favorite podcast segment, the freeform, exploratory, uh, kind of a cosmic gumbo 
podcast segment, Funny Verses. Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you revved up? Are you prepped? Are you prepared? Have you trained? Are you going to be using 10% of your power? Are you ready, buddy? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Well, well then, without any further ado... It's time once again for Bonnie Versus, and now here is your host, Bonnie Williams. Take it away, Bonnie! So what horrible happened this this week? Um, I know something. I can't think of what... Did, did Kyle get off this week? Yes. That, that was yes. this week? Yes. I think so. Yeah, that was, that was pretty horrible. And yeah. then seeing him on Tucker, that that's just like, how much worse can it get? I don't know. But, yeah, so, yeah, it, it's been fucking horrible. Um, Bunny. Yes. I want to talk a little bit about Macy's. Okay. Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yes, we do. Uh, on Bunny Verse. We also have to have to say a couple of words about last night in Soho. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so last week, uh, including the last episode of the podcast, I saw three random uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day parades because I have learned that a shit ton of them are just there online, and so I've been watching. I watched old ones all week to pre-game for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And so I saw three random ones. Last week for the podcast, we covered the 1984 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And then I saw 2001 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I did that because I was like, uh, no, I saw the 1999 one. And yeah. it was all about... Oh, the future, of course, because it's right before, you know, uh, the, the millennium in Y2K and all of that. And then I said, that was interesting. It was interesting to see, you know, pre, you know, 1999. And then I thought, what other important Macy's can I see? And then I thought, oh, shit. If... So they did a Macy's parade in 2001? That that must have been weird because it was only a few weeks after nine yeah. eleven, like, like how the fuck was that Macy's parade? I don't remember seeing it that year. So I saw the two thousand and one nine uh, pre post nine eleven Macy's parade, and Rudy Giuliani's there. They're putting his face and everything as as the hero of the day, yeah. and it's. So goddamn patriotic. Holy shit. Everything's about America and patriotism and flag and truck and America. Yeah. And, and then I also saw the 1994 parade. I said, hey, yeah, I, I was a senior in high school when that came out. I want to see that. And the crazy thing is, the four Macy's parades, each one had Joey Lawrence in it. <laughs> Fucking weird. We saw 84, and there's young Joey Lawrence from Give Me a Break with Nell Carter. And, um, hold on, I'll, I'll get to it. Avner the Eccentric. Okay. And then in 94, 
he's there promoting Blossom. Yeah. And then, like, in 2001, apparently he had some sort of a sitcom with his other two brothers. Like, the Lawrence brothers, they had a sitcom together, and he was promoting that. And, and it got to the point where it was like, you know, we're all awake to see the Macy's Parade in 2021, and it's like, shit, Joey Lawrence is going to pop up. Everyone's on Joey Lawrence watch. I don't know what, what he would be promoting. Maybe they're making money playing too. But fucking, we all need to be on watch for fucking Joey Lawrence because I yeah. think he just has an open invite to these goddamn things. But that was weird. He just kept popping up. Yes. Popping up. And it scared the shit out of me. Yes, he did. Now, But now, watching the parade these days... It's because, it, like, I am so out of fucking touch. Like, I, I have to assume that if you are on a float, you're famous. But I don't know who any of these fucking people are. Uh, last year, I was really excited because uh, a, a band I knew was on the Macy's Parade last year. AJR. They're yeah. three brothers, and they have a band, and their music is fucking wonderful. I have all of their albums, and I absolutely love their music. And they were on a float last year, and I was, I was really happy about that. But this year, I don't know if I knew anyone. I, I found myself more judging the quality of their lip sync ability, My, which means I yeah. have to give a special uh, shout-out to, they were either a J-pop or a K-pop girl band. Yes, yes. Okay, and they had the headsets and everything. They had the little microphone coming down in front of their face. Not even the barest attempt to lip sync. Yep. They just yep. did their dance moves. Their lips did not move out at all, and I was like, I... I Anarchy! Anarchy! I love it. I loved it. My, my favorite part of Macy's Parade performances is the float parks, and then they start lip-syncing, but near the end, they will still be lip-syncing as the float moves and no one warns them. So they're there lip-syncing the song, and then suddenly they just get jerked like... Oh! Yeah. For one second, as the car starts moving again, and we all were looking for that, and it was so much fun. I was really proud because this was one of the first parades in a long time where we all saw it. Yeah. And of course, the kids and I were watching it, but then also, like, Natasha was, was, was here and watching it with us, and... And Mal, you know, they're 16 years old. And they said, you know, they, they texted me at like 1 a.m. They're like, wake me up in time for the parade. And it's like, okay, that's not going to happen. And I woke them up. And sure enough, they were just wide awake, ready to watch the Macy's parade. And they were psyched about it. And that meant a lot to me. So we all watched it together. We just can't watch the dog show afterwards. We just don't care about the dog show. For a lot of people, their routine is watching the Macy's Parade, watching the dog show, and then yeah. watching football. 
but I just don't care for that damn dog show. I just do not. I thought you used to be a fan. I will watch it for a little bit, for like a five minutes or so. I, I was excited about the dog show when I learned that it was created based on Best in Show. Yeah. That was, that was like part of when we, uh, Fred, the summer of Fred Willard, where we discussed that. Well, as, as usual, it, it, the dog show was never a part of my New York tradition, and I have everything on, on digital for that. So I watched the parade, yeah. went over to March of the Wooden Soldiers, King Kong, Mighty Joe Young. Mighty Joe Young. Mm-hmm. So, and then you don't watch King Kong Lives with Linda Hamilton? No. What? Shocking. King Kong and then uh, Girlfriend Kong and then they're Kong babies. <laughs> yeah. That's King Kong Lives. But, but, but that girl band, I have got to say, again, I, I was totally impressed. Like, there's only so rebellious you can get. When you're on a giant moving strawberry shortcake with people in animal costumes dancing around you. Yeah. You know, it's very hard to, like, really stick it to the man in that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Them refusing to lip sync, I, I, I appreciate the effort. Yeah, like, nice try. Yes, nice but, try. Yeah. And, and, and I always get excited to see what uh, Broadway, you know, shows they'll be doing. And I was excited. I didn't know any of the Broadway shows that they were doing. I, yeah. I wasn't aware of any of them. And one of them, you know, caught everyone's attention. And it was a, it was a play called Six. And it had these six women. And they were a girl group. And, and the performance was really good. And I was like, what the hell musical is six? And I look it up on Wikipedia, and I'm like, wait a second. So this is a rock musical about a girl group, but each girl is the ghost of a wife of Henry VIII? And oh, the musical, okay. And the musical are these women telling their stories. Of like, hey, I survived. Hey, I was killed. Hey, I was beheaded. Hey, uh, I was cheated on and ran away. Hey, I was assassinated. And it, it's a girl band filled with ghosts of the wives of Henry VIII telling their story to the audience in the form of a pop girl group. I find this shit fascinating. <laughs> and now I, I like like... Yeah, I, I I listened to the soundtrack a little bit this week because of the performance on the Macy's Parade. So, so yeah, the musical is just called Six. So it, it, it's something to to check out. I think that's awesome. So I've had some things running through my mind a bit lately. Okay. That I just kind of want to kick around. Okay. Basically all church-related. Okay. Church-related? Yeah. Uh, okay. 
Okay, so, like, it's nice that we said on the podcast that we like, I woke up early the day I died. Yes. Okay, but I think there should be something more from the church to make it a bit more official and to to recognize things that we find that are Woodian or people that have performed a service of some sort where they would not necessarily be a saint for it, but they are recognized somehow with a title or something like that. Okay. And we could do press releases and send it out to Variety and shit like that, and if they want to pick it up, great. If they don't, who gives a fuck? Yeah. But we have made an official statement on this, that, or the other thing, and maybe we pick out five things a year. Okay. And maybe on the anniversary of the church, we release that as a press release. This year, the Church of Ed Wood recognizes this, this, whatever. Kind of rock and roll hall of fame. Uh, one of the first people that I would like to recognize in the year twenty, the year of our Lord Ed Wood, twenty twenty one, is Nathan Williams, the man who uh, kept the Rocky Horror streak alive in Oregon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That might have even have been what started my thought down that road. Right. Yeah. He deserves some kind of recognition for that. That is a completely Woodian thing to do. Does yeah. it deserve sainthood? Probably not. Yeah. But something else that says, you know, like Billy Zane. Does Billy Zane deserve sainthood? Maybe a case could be put up for that. You know, but... Nathan, not so much, but he should still be recognized. Yeah. You know who deserves uh, 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 more recognition? Fred Olin Ray. Fred who? Fred Olin Ray. I'm not placing him. Uh, he did a few... He's done a few movies... Uh, the Brain Leeches, Alien Dead, Prison Ship, Icon, Beverly Hills Vamp, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, uh, Wizards of the Demon Sword, Scream Queen, Hot Tub Party, Evil Tunes, Dinosaur Island, Attack of the Sixty Foot Centerfold, like so many, Invisible Mom, uh, Bikini Frankenstein. He he's he's like a modern day. Grindhouse director. Yeah. Bikini Airwaves, <coughs> Bikini Cave Girl, Bikini Chain Gang, The Bikini Escort Company, Bikini Go-Go, Bikini Pirates! Oh, man. These are all actual films. Bikini Frankenstein. What? Bikini Jones and the Temple of Eros? That sounds horrible. How come I haven't seen it? Mm-hmm. But when he's not making these, like, uh, uh, grindhouse movies, 
he he's doing like Hallmark Channel movies. So he's doing like a Hollywood Chainsaw Bikini Massacre and then 2015's A Prince for Christmas. <laughs> you know? So like I know Fred Olin Ray because uh Fred Olin Ray filmed uh, he teamed up with Ed Wood shortly before he died, and it's like, hey, Ed, you're a legend. Maybe we can make a movie together. But they didn't have backers, so they filmed some test footage and shopped it around in the hopes that people would like the test footage and, and give them money to make the actual movie, and it never went anywhere. But parts of it are shown in the documentary Ed Wood uh, Look Back in Angora. And it's like a surf guy with a surfboard, and he's trying to yes, save his yes, girlfriend yes, 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 from yes. aliens, and the aliens think surfboard is a weapon. Is that thing loaded? Just you wait and find out. Because he's an Australian surfer? Yeah. I, that don't, was I don't think that ever got finished. No, it never got finished. It was just like test footage to try and get a movie done. But, yeah. like, that's Fred Olin Ray. He was trying to get Edward work, like right up to his to the point of his death and like good for fred olin ray i was looking for christmas movies and i was i was go i was going through all of these like maybe we could do a shitty lifetime or a shitty hallmark or all of those shitty christmas movies that are being cranked out like Chris yeah. it, cable christmas movies are the new grindhouse yes so I was thinking maybe we could do one of these for Christmas, and I was surprised at how many of them had the name Fred Olin Ray attached to them. I'm like, shit, get work where you can, motherfucker. You're getting you're getting the job done. Well, we're we are once again coming up to our annual review of Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny. Yes, I think that movie just for that that movie deserves church recognition. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know. Pirate and world. Nothing, nothing. I'm just going to put the little seed in the back of your head. Because this one is, like, totally on you. But letting people know that the Pope of the Church of Ed Wood is gender fluid might that help some be. people. Yeah, that would be something. I but will never say time... anything about that again. That is completely your call. For the longest time, my sexuality and my gender and all of that, like, I'm Gen X. And so I always felt that, like, you know, my sexuality is my base, and I don't have to tell it to anyone. But now I feel that I'm in a position where I should tell people that, hey, I was born a man. I like being a woman. I'm trying to be a woman, and, and I'm being out and in the open. And I'm, it, it, I've gotten to a comfort with my uh, newfound gender where it, my wife says, hey, you want to go to the store? We need to pick up this. And I said, sure, let me get dressed. And I get dressed as a woman, and I'm comfortable going out now. Yeah. And... I I am for a while I you know I I 
it was a process throughout the year where it's like, hey, I'm going to dress up as a woman every once in a while. Hey, I'm going to get dressed in drag, and then we can smoke together. Oh, we're gonna, you're going to have a drink? Cool, make me a drink. I'm going to go get in drag. And it, it was a slow process towards, like, I'm feeling like a woman today. And now it's just, if for the longest time, I was like, oh, I'm gender fluid. I'm Sometimes I'm a guy, sometimes I'm a girl. But now I, I feel like even today, where I'm just in my shirt, I haven't done my hair, I don't have makeup on, I haven't shaved, I'm still, I'm just a woman. And I'm, I'm just living as a woman right now. I'm not always presenting as a woman, but I'm, I'm like she, her all the time now. And yeah, then someone yeah. on Twitter said, uh, hey, you well, know, I, is, I post- since you brought that up, is that what your pronouns should be now? No. Okay. Because uh, I am a woman, but then it's like, okay, let me, I'm going to do a story time. And what, I, what I'm trying to do is, here's a story time as a woman... And here's a story time as Mr. Steve, because Mr. Steve is a person, Mr. Steve is a character, and kids like Mr. Steve. And I want to do story times as a woman, but also not lose Mr. Steve, because kids love Mr. Steve. And so I see Mr. Steve as a character, and I'm basically the woman all the time. I can still become Mr. Steve, because people like Mr. Steve. And I feel that Reverend Steve is the same way is that I am a woman all the time, except for when we record the podcast, and I'm, Miss, and I'm Reverend Steve. And so right now, yeah, I, I'm he, him, I'm Reverend Steve. That is a character, just like Mr. Steve, and these are all parts of me. Someone said, like, I, I, would, I dress up to go to the movies. Now, every time I go to the movies, I go to the movies as a woman, and I'm comfortable with that. And someone said, hey, looking good, Reverend. And then they tweeted back, Maylin, sorry, I fucked up. I'm I'm so sorry. And it's like, no, it's okay. You know, I'm Mr. Steve. I'm Reverend Steve. I'm Maylin, and all, and I'm all of those things at once. And so I, I am trying to live my life as a woman. You call me he. I'm not gonna give you shit. <laughs> I've spent the last forty three years being a guy. I'm not gonna give you shit over some pronouns. You still call me Steve. Yeah, that's fucking fine. Yeah, but still, what do you prefer? I mean, that's. I, I mean, I appreciate what you're saying, but if you have a preference. Oh, I. Uh, I. You can I be prefer, whoever the hell you want on the podcast. You know I, that. I prefer Maylin. I prefer she, her. But also, I, I feel that pronouns aren't the key everything. I feel that a lot of people really sweat the pronouns, and I'm just not that person. You know? They're just pronouns. Yeah. Do they even have a Schoolhouse Rock song? For pronouns? For pronouns? Yeah. Rufus is in your sarsaparilla. Because I got pronouns. Okay. That is a pretty good song. But, (laughs) yeah, I don't sweat the pronouns, so it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm still, I'm still Reverend Steve. I'm still Mr. Steve, and I'm May Lynn, and I'm all of those things at once. I'm, I'm the Holy Trinity. Right <laughs> there now. you go. So I'm happy with that. How are you doing, Bunny? I am good. I am good. But I, I always thought that that the church should have an appeal to transgender people because, like. 
Oh yeah, that's what I was saying. Your I, own <laughs> individual and unique self, your yeah. own genuine self. I mean, that's what the Church of Edward is about. Yeah, I, I I'm a little bit high. That that's what I now I remember what I was saying. Uh, for the longest time, I was really uh, secretive about my my sexuality, my gender, my yada yada yada. But now I feel that. I should be out to for all of the people that can't. Yeah. A lot of people have been getting a hold of me and they're like, "Hey, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that you're out there and and you know, you're you're being who you really are. I can't, but you know, I've been getting a lot of those messages. A lot of people coming from the woodwork to talk to me. And yeah. and everyone has the story and I've heard from a lot of people who want to dress up and want to be a woman and have a woman inside them but can't live that life, feel that they cannot. And it's like, okay, this is why I'm dressing up. Because I can be out here and I can be out for all of those people who can't, you know? Yeah. If I can do it in a small town in Oklahoma, maybe that will give courage to those people who live in L.A. and want to go out, you know? Yeah. Shit, I'd be going to work as a woman if I still worked at the bookstore. You know? So, I can have courage to help those who don't have courage. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. But that's all some things to consider. And I wanted to bring it up. Thank you. Thank you for bringing him up. It is something to think about. Because anybody can send a press release. Yeah. Doesn't make a difference. Doesn't mean that they're going to pick up a story. But you know, we did this. We here are our yearly announcements. Maybe a puff of white smoke. Nice. You know. Yeah. And we send out a press release. Yeah. That's a good idea. I like that. It's tough being a church that really doesn't like calling attention to itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so that was the one thing. Other than that, uh, pretty good. The second episode of Dabney is in the can. Nice. And I'm working on the third, and I finally got the puppet tool and the Anablox going. So yeah. I got really excited about that, because that's kind of a level up, but it won't show yet, because I didn't animate a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. I just used this new technique, and it looks pretty good, but, like, the intro to episode three is not going to be highly animated. <laughs> so I I I can I don't feel high but then I keep staring at the background of our video and the lights just keep changing intensity and I just keep staring at them and staring at them yeah. and then I realize that I'm high but those lights are beautiful bunny It's so subtle cuz it's it, so it's subtle almost a still picture yeah. Except for those lights. I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you. Yeah. 
No problem. What does your shirt say? Uh, busy doing nothing. Okay. Cool. There we go. Yeah. Mine says chaos coordinator. <laughs> nice. So that's it for that. Uh, that's coming along nicely. It's not great animation yet or anything like that. Although I do think the show itself is funny as fuck. Yeah. I think I came up with some good bits of this show. Good. But. So that's it for that. Uh, what else is there? Like, you know, as soon as we get to the next segment then I'll remember all the stuff for this segment. Yeah. Like, fuck, how it's... Last Night in Soho. That oh, was, yes, Last Night in Soho. That was an interesting movie. Huh? There, there were some turns in that film that I generally did not... I, I've seen pretty much every horror movie that got a wide release this year, and I can honestly say that Last Night in Soho scared me more than any of those horror movies. Yeah. And Last Night in Soho isn't even a horror movie, but there are parts of that that genuinely frightened me. Like what? Uh, like uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Most people know her as Queen's Gambit, but I know her as New Mutant. Because she was in the New Mutant, oh, the movie was, that God... Oh, yeah? Yeah, the movie that God didn't want to come out... It got postponed like 35,000 times. We did an entire shap just on how much this movie kept getting fucked over. Yeah. And so it, it, New Mutants slow descent into like prostitution and like drug use and whatever. And, and how the woman kept getting haunted by like the Johns, the customers. Yeah. And and then that woman's slow descent into madness because of all the ghosts that she has to face. Like, there were some parts there that literally, like, like edge-of-your-seat fear. Like, actual fear. I, I, no, I didn't feel that. I didn't, I didn't get a horror feeling off of the movie. I, I took it as more of a noir, you know, more of a, a, a mystery thriller you, you might know, you... I didn't really find horror in it yeah you you we, might we, like even if it did have zombies <laughs> yeah yeah but I love it. Diana Rigg that did not look like Diana Rigg now I I, I had no I idea it was Diana her. Rigg was in it I was really excited to see Diana Rigg and I was watching the movie, and I was like, that does not look like Diana Rigg, but that's got oh. to be Diana Rigg. There's nobody else in this movie who could be played by Diana Rigg. Yeah. And I actually had to look it up on IMDb. Yes, that yes, was Yes, same her. here. Same here. I didn't even know Diana Rigg was in this movie. I looked, I, I'm like, who is this old woman in this movie? Let me look it up really quick on IMDb. No shit! Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, I, think I, I, I heard some lead-up running up to the movie. And it was Edgar Wright, so I was interested. 
I, 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 I would not... It's not going to be as rewatchable as Baby Driver is. Yeah. The soundtrack is really good, though. And especially... Yeah, right? Especially since... I really liked... I really liked those two or three songs that were from the 80s, but they re-recorded them to sound like they were songs that came from the 60s. There were two or three songs like that. Yeah. The time element... Edgar Wright did a really, really interesting job playing around with the time element. Because starting yeah. the movie with... What was her name? Ellie? Emmy? I think so. Something like that. Yeah. Like, it starts off... She's like a farm girl in Cornwall or some shit. And it already looks like the 60s. Yeah. She looks like she's the 60s. And I swear, this had, this had the exact same opening as Rock of Ages. She got to London. I, I was expecting her albums to get stolen. Yeah. <laughs> Wolfgang von Colt. Yeah. So it got kind of weird to find out that no, that was actual, actually modern times. Yeah. Because even her costuming and everything, she looked that she she looked like just even physically she looked like she stepped right out of the sixties farm. Yeah, it was a good movie. I really liked Last Night in Soho. I think a lot of people went to go see that movie. Um, maybe it was more popular in England, you know? I imagine it's one of those sort of movies where yeah. it's just... Maybe American audiences just weren't hip to it, but god damn, what a great movie. But Beautiful I found film. it really interesting how her look progresses throughout the movie... As the focus of the movie changes. Yeah. I mean, by the end of the movie, she was any other pretty white girl. Yeah. That you can find right now. Some serious mean girl shit happening in that, too. Yeah. Some, some serious mean girl shit. Yeah. But what is nice seeing Matt Smith play a bastard? Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of role that he needs. Yeah. You know, he hasn't been as successful after Doctor Who as David Tennant has been. And this is kind of this this is a good breaker for him. Yeah. But what a but what a beautiful film. I think it's in my top 10 right now for the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a beautiful film. It's one of those films where, yeah, I don't think that, like, unlike Scott Pilgrim and Baby Driver, this isn't one that you can watch over and over again, but it is one you should watch twice because once you understand the entire plot, that's one where, okay, now I need to go back a second time and yeah. watch it and catch on all the things that I now know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
but nice, oh, nice. Diesel film. I, it's getting a lot of vitriol, it seems, from people. I, I've yeah. seen some hate on the movie, but yeah, I'm going to disagree. I'm, I, I think Edgar did another good job, and this is an interesting movie. It's just, uh, if anything, I I think it's just that we just have not seen a movie that looks and feels like this in a really long time. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, so, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about that lately because I've been watching John Carpenter interviews. And in every interview, he says that how horrible the thing did in the box office. Yeah, that's a good point. And I kind of think it's because the thing was so unique in what it did and so far out there with what it did with the creations of Rob Bottin. Yeah. That if you went to see this in the movie, you can't concentrate on the plot. Because you're too busy looking at all of this shit that you've never seen before and really can't quite comprehend. Yeah. And for this logical leap, I am totally going to compare the thing to Speed Racer. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. That Speed makes sense. Racer was the exact same thing. The, the aggressive use of CGI that that movie had I feel that the last couple of years, people have really started to warm up to street to Speed Racer. Yeah. You know? I've been seeing more and more people finally appreciating it and, and the look and the aesthetic of that movie. But you, you have... Right. It, but it takes more time to, like, actually digest the aesthetic that the movie is going after... The same thing with the thing. Yeah. And I think last night in Soho, to a lesser extent, I think yeah. it's getting that same kind of backlash. Yeah, I Yeah, it definitely wasn't a smash hit at the box office, but but goddamn what an amazing film. Yeah, but but seriously, ask Americans to think in anything other than a linear fashion. Yeah. And they just get upset. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Tenet. <laughs> that wasn't a massive smash hit of the box office. That movie still pisses me off. It was supposed to kill COVID, and it didn't. No. No, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. But that is about all I got. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about this week's movie. Are you sure I'm not metaphysical? It's just, you keep saying over and over again, when will Helen Hunt and Pauly Shore finally do a movie? Yes. So, boom, this week's movie, finally. The collab we have all been waiting for. Yes. So, let us get on to it. Uh... I don't know. I there was a part when I was watching the parade, 
And it must have been when the L tryptophan started kicking in. Okay? Yeah. Because I saw one of the people on the float, and they looked like they were looking directly at me. And it became very urgent for them to find out what my feelings are in regards to self-adhesive tape. Yeah. And I just looked back at the television screen, stared that wannabe Muppet right in the eye, and I said, self-adhesive tape? Yes, please. Perfect outro. And cut on that. And cut on that. Yes! We still have a movie to discuss. The 2021 indie comedy, How It Ends. One of my favorite movies of the year. And there's a lot to talk about in this uh, fairly uh, simplistic film. Fairly simplistic, but beautiful film. We're going to get pretty metaphysical in discussing this film. And I'm excited about that. Of course, you always have to get metaphysical when Polly Shore is involved. Yes. But uh, before we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? Should we take a break? We should take a break. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do, 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 and break. the Explorer. I'm queuing on Karen. I'm different from Dora the Explorer because I'm God's color. White. This is my sidekick, Bunny the Rabbit. Say hello, Bunny. Hashtag Donald Trump. Dora the Explorer has a monkey sidekick, but not me because I come from Kentucky and not some shithole country. Oh, kids, can you count to 11? Well, how about counting to 11 million? Can you do that? Hashtag stop the steal. 
because that's how much Trump beat Biden by in the 2020 election. But the Dominion voting machines were rigged by Hugo Chavez and the Zionists and the Chinese government to take down the God-fearing votes of the 90 million Christian Americans who voted for Donald Trump. Hashtag no more. Look up in the sky. Do you see a star? No, you don't. Because stars aren't real. They're just a deep state psyop that's designed to control you. <laughs> Who's trying to control you? Just follow the money. Just follow the money trail. We're talking Bill Gates. <laughs> We're talking George Soros. <laughs> We're talking Hillary Clinton. Hashtag Hillary for prison. MTV's Dan Cortese. Hashtag oh, oh. Save the Children. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hashtag Hail Satan. And other Jewish people. Hashtag Save the Children. They're trying to mind control you. That's why the masks are there. That's not helping anyone. It's all a conspiracy. A conspiracy to implant chips into your bloodstream so they can know where you are. Jewish space lasers.
turn the world in your face. international male artist in England four years in a row. Here is all the magic of Slim Whitman, the international star who has sold 31 million records. All the songs that touch people's hearts the most are in this album, and I hope you'll let them touch your heart too. Have I told you best. This giant record treasury is only $7.98. Complete tape collection is only $9.98. Not sold in any store. Order yours now. To get this beautiful treasury mail, $7.98 for album, $9.98 for 8-track tape to Slim Whitman. Box 2525 Grand Central Station, New York, 10017. Be sure to do it now. This special Slim Whitman collection is available through this offer only. Rush $7.98 for album, $9.98 for tape to Slim Whitman. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, 10017. Slim Whitman, Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, 10017. Dr. Frankenstein was my father. But you can call me whatever you want. As long as it's not... Oh, idiot monster! Idiot monster! See you next week. Remember me like this. No, no. It's a joke. That, that's not how you'll die, no, is it? No, no, no. You'll wait to explode like the rest of us. Yeah. 2 a.m. Asteroid hits. Oh, God! This is all a big hoax. You actually believe the news? The meteor is fake! My whole life, I've been terrified of dying alone, and tonight, I am literally dying alone. You're not alone. You have me. You don't count. You're metaphysical. Yo, we coming to my end-of-the-world party tonight? We gotta go. 
before we die, let's talk regrets. The biggest one is dad. I'm gonna drive to the ocean, swim naked with the dolphins. You wanna come? No, I'm good. Next up, I would like to make amends with Alette. I have developed psychically to the place where I am capable of extraordinary things. Yeah, I'm Reiki one certified. And then Larry. Hey, Liza, you here to tell me you love me? There's nothing coming out of those speakers. I found it on the street, but I thought it was a cool visual. Oh, okay. I think it's, it's broken. What? My whole life has just been a series of regret after regret after regret. Tonight, you can face those regrets and turn them around. Let's go out with a bang. It's like Tom Hanks said in Castaway, life's a box of chocolate, so we die alone. Right. Eyeballs, you got nice eyes. I'm celebrating tonight. I should have been dead a long time ago. It's like an existential scavenger hunt for your soul. Yeah, I guess. Oh, I dig that. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. It's time, buddy! It's time. It is time. Yes, buddy, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast to casually saunter our way into discussing our... Uh, all new extra strength and now with even more raisins movie of the week and this week we watch hands down the cutest apocalyptic doomsday film ever with a look at the 2021 indie comedy how it ends yes and one of the reasons why i wanted to do this film is that i think it it's a shame that more people haven't seen this movie Oh, God, you know, like, like even Googling it, like, okay, I'm happy with the choice I made for this screen, the Just the Movie screen, because I do like to do something a little bit different, but, like, there were barely any pictures. Yep, yep. There was one Absolutely. poster and, like, maybe two or three pictures tops Yeah. from the movie, so, like, pickings were slim. Yeah. It, this podcast is about to get very Christmassy. Uh, I I I have five Christmas movies for us next month. Okay, we're gonna be going balls deep into Christmas Town, and I just wanted a fun film before we dive taint first into the holidays. You know, yeah. And I was trying to think of just something that was fun, and this is the first thing that came to mind because this is just a fun film. It's weird to think of a apocalyptic doomsday film that's also like a feel-good comedy. Those are two things that don't normally go together. But this film came out this year, hardly anyone saw it, and that's a shame. You know, it's fun, and we need... Like, we were talking in uh, Act 1 when we were discussing uh, The Last Duel that 
now is not the time for dull, dreary, heartbreaking dramas. We've all literally been through a fucking blender of 2020 and 2021. And now we just need some fun. And this film is just fun. And I know that you've been saying to yourself over and over again, when will Bradley Whitford, Helen Hunt, and Pauly Shore finally do a collab? Yes. And this is that collab that we have just all been waiting for. One of the reasons why I really love this film is because once lockdown happened uh, in, in 2020, and we yeah. were literally all locked down, Natasha was the first one to say, like, okay, yes, we are all stuck in the house, and we can't go places. We can still go for walks, though, and this will be good for us because we'll stay healthy and we'll stay active. And so we would go on family walks, and it's not like we just walked around the block. We would just go walking around the neighborhood, around the town, and explore. And, oh, hey, we made it to the main street. Let's just keep walking. And we'd go across the street, and we'd go to a park we've never seen before, and we'd see houses that we didn't know were there, and we'd wander into the woods. And it was so weird every time we went for a walk because there were no cars on the street. There were no other people on the street. There There was no one hanging out on their porch, you know, working on a car. It was like we were walking through a ghost town. And so the weird thing about this film is that it, it feels like a memory. Yeah. And I, and I think it was during summer of 2020 when I finally realized, oh, shit, the movies that are going to come out. During lockdown, during 2020, all of these indie directors like, hey, I've got an idea for a movie we can do during lockdown. And it'll be all of these characters and it'll be like a tense drama. And these two people are fighting, but they're fighting six feet away from each other because of social distancing. And it's like, oh, okay. I know when this was filmed and it sucks. But this is a film that was filmed during lockdown, during quarantine, during 2020. But they just found a way to make it fucking work. Yeah. You know? And like, yeah. These people are socially distanced, and it's in the middle of fucking quarantine, but they just found a way to make it work so that it's not like a gimmick. This isn't a gimmicky film. They found, like, the perfect little plot for for making a film in, like, May of 2020. Yeah. Where it doesn't seem like it's forced, and it's simple... But it's got a bit of thought to it, and, you know, it, this film feels like a memory to me. It feels it, it feels like a comfort film to me, like this is my new comfort film. This film feels, this watching this movie, I feel the way that other people explain their weighted blanket. Yeah. That's how this film feels to me. This didn't make it in a lot of theaters. It, 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 it premiered at Sundance, and then it showed up in a few theaters. But this film, it, maybe like three or four theaters, it made maybe like $100,000 at the box office, and that was it. And then it was rushed as like a 
digital download. And and I thought that more people would be interested in this because the cast is in fucking sane. <laughs> but like no one saw this and that sucks because this is just such a fun, funny, comforting movie that sometimes feels like it's just a series of, oh, do you have to work, Amber? Yeah. Sorry. All right. All right. I love you. Sometimes it just feels like a series of skits, or maybe they're just ad-libbing. Yeah. And they're just going from scene to scene, and random people pop up. I want to see Colin Hanks in more things. Yeah. I love Colin Hanks. I especially love Colin Hanks because he seems so straight-laced and serious and a good actor and an overall great guy, just like his dad, but I also know that he has a brother, and that's white boy summer Chet Hanks, who is a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that, that's what was having me... I, I did not know there was another Hanks. Yeah, Colin Hanks. He's amazing. He looks just like a... You, you know, he, he looks like... Yeah, you are definitely Tom Hanks' son. And it's like, but wait, your brother's with Chet Hanks. How the fuck did that happen? Because that guy's a piece of shit. This, anyway. this movie was very cute. This movie was very sweet. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I liked following her on her journey, which is really what this movie was. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I honestly did not notice the social distancing and and find it interesting that you pointed it out. Uh, yeah, like like uh, the, there's that one argument about like, do you think trash is gonna come tomorrow? Oh, yeah. th you think that 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 NASA is a real thing, a and that whole argument, and it's like, oh yeah, here's this person over here, here's this other person way over here, yeah, and here's the two people way back over here, and it's like, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, this, this is a lockdown, quarantine, socially distanced movie, but they found a way to make it work where, like, you don't notice it. Yeah. That's why this is a post-apocalyptic film, because no one's driving, no one's on the street, no one's walking around. This is the perfect time to make a post-apocalyptic movie, is during fucking quarantine. No, uh, I, I, let's circle back to uh, Colin Hanks, because uh, my wife, Natasha, is here, and, and it, it, they have something to say. Yes? Oh, I was just going to say... He was in Dexter, wasn't he? Yes. Colin Hanks was a murderer in Dexter. I forgot about that. Oh, was he? Yes. He was He was the big bad in one of the seasons of Dexter. Before he became a lumberjack. I I was like, holy shit, that's Tom Hanks' son. And then when I found out that he was a killer, I was like, Good on you. Yeah, he should be in more shit. Like he's great. Yeah, he's amazing. Shut the fuck off, but... Well, you didn't have a good white boy summer? I didn't have a good white boy summer. <sighs> I had a great white boy summer. Well, white boy summer became white girl summer I'm, for me. I'm white and I'm still hated. <laughs> did that feel good? It did. Yeah, I imagine it did. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, there's, a, there's a part of me that... When it comes what? to No Nut November, okay, I, I I feel like they have turned 
a negative into a kind of positive. Because, like, you weren't getting laid in November anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> Just like you I... weren't getting laid in October, and you're not going to get laid in December. So you take this one month to celebrate your non-getting laidness and turn it into some kind of virtue. People are good always talking try. about you know good people try. are always people are always talking about no not November, but it's like I'm sorry, I'm not giving up my pecans. Yes. I don't care what <coughs> month it is, I'm still eating my pecans. <coughs> I'm trying to regulate my sugar now that I'm older. And my doctor said, uh, your sugar count is a little bit high. And it's like, okay, well, to be fair, uh, during 2020, I assumed we were all going to die and ate gummy bears like it was water. Yeah. I lived on gummy bears and red vines through the entirety of 2020. And also, before 2020 happened, I was going to the movies all the time and sneaking in as many... Uh, candies as I possibly could. You have no idea how many candies I can sneak into a movie. I can sneak a lot. So now I'm trying to be healthier, and it's like, so I'm sneaking in pecans to the movie and not gummy bears and red vines. It's very difficult for me. I'm not saying I'm a hero. Yeah. But uh, that's what I hear people say. Can, can, can I, I, I? I've heard people say, yeah. In, every time. I hear about Pontius Pilate talking to Jesus. Yeah. I, I think of Robert De Niro, because Jesus does a De Niro at one part of the Bible. Uh, it, I was just talking about this to Natasha. It was the first time I ever verbalized it to anyone. But yeah. I have always yeah. felt this. And Pontius Pilate goes, so you think you're the son of God? And Jesus goes, that's what you say. You say that. You you know, I'm not saying that. You're saying that. You're saying that about me. I've heard people say that. People are saying things. And one of the things that people are saying is that I'm the son of God. I'm not saying that. You're saying that. That's what you say that I am. I'm not saying it. Yeah. So you admit it. I don't admit it. I don't not admit it. I'm just saying a lot of people out there are saying that I'm the son of God. I'm not saying that I'm the son of God. I'm not saying I'm not the son of God. But here you are talking about me being the son of God. So I must be the son of something, right? I'm not saying I am, but you're saying I am. That's what I'm saying. Like Jesus <laughs> does a De Niro at one part of the Bible, and, and I, I just think it's weird. Yeah. You know? Like, what the fuck are you doing, Jesus? Just say yes or no. Ah, that's what I hear people saying. <laughs> Who's saying it? Bunny, why don't you hit us with the plot of this week's film, How It Ends? Which, again... Uh, so... God, I, like, know nobody's name in this movie. Liza. Liza, thank you. She is going to uh, the big end-of-the-world party that a friend is throwing. Uh, and Whitney she Cummings. has a younger version of herself that follows her everywhere. Uh, yeah. I forget why she's walking. I think something happened with the car. 
Uh, uh, Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia stole her car. Oh, was that him, the guy who was chasing him the whole time? Yes. And Bobby Lee from Mad TV saw it all happen but didn't do anything because nothing matters because it's the end of the world. See, I knew I forgot to bring something up. I forgot to bring up fucking Halloween Kills. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway. Um... Uh, so as she's going, she's running into various people, and she doesn't really want to go to the party to begin with. Um, she was just going to get some pot, get really high, eat a lot, and die. Which, yeah. frankly, I think that's a good plan. Hey, good on you, mate. I'm not looking for an end-of-the-world party, personally. You know, but... She was going toward the end of the to the to the party, and she and she runs into various people, and we have various discussions with various people on various topics, all of which are humorous. Yeah, and that's the best I got. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's a good uh, summary of the film. I was very happy to see. Uh, how much Helen Hunt has fallen to shit. Uh, that is always something that I really, really enjoy seeing in celebrities. Uh, the last the time I saw time, her in anything, she was topless and having sex the whole movie. What's that? The last time I saw Helen Hunt, she she was having sex the entire film. She was like nude for most of the film. Really. I don't yeah, think it I've was, actually seen her since Twister. No, she was in this movie and she played a sex therapist and she started working with a client who was um, paralyzed from the waist down <coughs> and she was his sex therapist and she was nude through most of it and it's like, wow, Helen Hunt, good on you. you you're... You've kept it tight, <laughs> as they say. But yeah. she was good in that movie, and that was only a couple of years ago. But yeah. I think I. But but at the same, as much as I watch, I I, I enjoy seeing celebrities fall apart. Mm -hmm. I do also kind of admire them for for their fuck it. I'm just gonna fall apart like a natural goddamn human being. Yeah. Instead of pumping your face full of Botox and shit, like Tom fucking Cruise. Oh yeah. Cher. Madonna. And Cher. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Nobody is naturally beautiful at fucking seventy or eighty. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. You're getting a lot of extensive work done. <coughs> For those people that are listening to this on SoundCloud, I did not take a hit of marijuana. I took a hit from an inhaler. Mal, you should watch this week's movie, How It Ends. It features uh, uh, your boy, Charlie Day, and his real-life wife, whom he met on the set of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Waitress. Yeah. They're both in this. And they're both high as fuck. <laughs> Which is like, 
We just like giving each other affirmations of things that we like about each other. Feet! You have nice feet. There's so many little parts in this film. You know? Uh, It's very subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Kroll, who I think definitely killed his younger self. He's the one who bought all the drugs in the beginning. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I had my uh, younger self here earlier. Yeah, we, we, were, we were hiking, and he was on a top of a mountain, and he fell off. Oh. It's like, oh, okay, so he's either lying or he killed his younger self. Either way. Yeah. Uh, Nick Kroll. Fred Armisen as a YS who's really excited to be seen. Yeah. I loved his little part. In this, why do you think people can see us? I don't know. I, I guess people are just on a different wavelength. But why are you so old? Oh, well, my uh, older self is like 92 or 93. So what, do you, what are your plans for the end of the world? Oh, I'm going to eat this sandwich. Then I'm going to make another sandwich. And then I'm going to eat that sandwich. We younger selves love to shop. Love that. <laughs> uh, Bradley Whitford swimming naked with dolphins. Yes. Love that. Helen Hunt is the mom. I think she does a great job in this. It's obvious that the dad sees the younger self and is like, and who's this? And, and Liza's like, see you later, dad, and they both leave. But it's obvious that Helen Hunt, Helen Hunt knows who both of them are. Yeah. Helen Hunt has no questions of, oh, who are you? It's like, oh, Helen Hunt's the mom. Helen Hunt knows that's. Here's Liza. Here's Liza's younger self. Uh, uh, Helen Hunt needs no explaining. Well, depending on whether they could see her or not. Because <clears throat> not everybody could see her. I think everybody can see her. Now. I'm wondering where she... I have questions, because she arrives every day, and then later when they have the discussion at the beach, uh, Liza says, I love how you show up every day. And it's like, wait, do you disappear at night and then come and wake her up in the morning? I, it, it, I have questions, but I like yeah. the fact that there aren't a lot of answers, you know, because it's one of those films. It, even though it's a really simple plot, I feel that this movie can also be like, like, like Lamb, you know? You can watch this film and get two different films, because the way that I saw it is... This film is about a woman trying to make peace with people, and eventually she learns that she needs to make peace with herself. And I felt that that was a pretty deep well, yes, and that was definitely look a at part it. of it. And it's a, it's a movie that you're gonna have to watch a, another couple of times to really pick up on, because again, it was very quiet, it was very subtle, the yeah. humor was very subdued. There was nothing like laugh out loud, but there was there was more of that. Oh damn, that was funny, you know. Yeah, yeah. More of a reaction to it, and and it got and it, it got me thinking deeper than it kind of appears on the surface. Yeah, it got me thinking a lot of things. Like number one, one thing I thought the last time that I watched it was if it was the last day on Earth and you killed someone. Yeah. Is that murder? I, I don't know if it is. I, 
I would say it's still murder, but nobody's going to do anything about it. Yeah. So if you're gonna snap, that's your time. You know, another thing that I like about this film is that it reminded me of um, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, except yes. that one is, is, is funny and depressing. It, it, that one's a funny, depressing, apocalyptic film. This is a funny, upbeat, apocalyptic yes. film. And I feel that, like, they're both two sides of the exact same coin. You know? Yeah. But I'm just I thinking like that, that it sounds to me that I, I, I'm seeing a new business model here, okay? That's, that's what's going on. Because some people have fantasy ways in which they want to die, and getting hit by a meteor may not fit that. Yeah. You know, so you can, you can have... A small business where you will kill people in accordance with their fantasy. That is such a good fucking idea. The world is going to be ending next year, so you set up a business where it's like, maybe you don't want to be killed by a meteor shower. Maybe you always fantasized about getting eaten by lions or tigers. Yeah. Or getting killed in a massive shootout. We can help you. Deaths are us. Uh-huh. And you run a company that's basically a fantasy-assisted suicide company. What a great idea. Yeah, I mean, because really, wouldn't it... Okay, what would you prefer, okay? Being hit by a meteor. Yeah, being hit by a meteor. Or... Being killed fighting off a crack team of ninja. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. Legally, we would have to have proof beyond a shadow of a doubt that the world was going to end to be able to pass something like that. Because do you know how many people have fought with states for the right to decide to take their own life medically? Like... Dr. Kevorkian was a doctor who would assist people with deaths for a reason. They didn't want to die. But that's illegal because it's murder. And what yes, I'm saying murder is murder. Okay, okay but Maybe since like, you brought okay. up the legal point, I, I have a solution for that. We kill all of those fuckers first. Great idea. Okay, so that's just murder. Nope. <laughs> that's not... Nope. That's not giving people... It's the not. choice of when to end their life. They have that Cat. in multiple states. They have it in multiple states where somebody with a terminal illness that like there's no cure can choose to get a pill that from the doctor and they can decide when they want to end their lives. Billy, you have a terminal illness. What can the Make a Wish Foundation do for you? I want to die in a ninja fight. Yeah. I mean... Or meet John Cena. I mean, either one is saying. easier. That's okay. Like, well, Fine. John Whatever. Cena is actually There's doing a movie, probably so... probably going to be some, ninja fight you to know, the death talk is. about ramifications on how that would affect the people, the players, if you were, who are going to be playing ninjas and killing you. 
you know, that's going to take a toll on them. However, if we could get that instituted for the entire world so that you can take your life whenever you want, however you want, with no ramifications for other people if you choose to do it in fight, that would be fine. That would be fine legally. Right. But right well, now, well, the ninjas, they would get their, their deaths free, you know. Just imagine a flash mob, except instead of a flash mob of dancers at the mall, it's a flash mob of a hundred ninjas attacking you, Kill Bill style, right oh in front of the Sephora. Music and everything. Yeah. <gasps> Beautiful. That's how I always wanted to go out. Only if I prepare physically for it first, so I can fight back a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying you gotta think about the legalities. Yeah. Didn't mean to bring it down. No, but we'd be that's a renegade. A idea, we'd be a renegade organization, just helping people yeah. out. Yeah, that's a great idea. Like now, the A team, passion laws. Yeah, we're the A team. We're the dead team. Well, I mean, for those states that um, have those compassion laws, where you can choose when to end your life, like, can you legally do something like that? That would be awesome. You're up in fucking Washington. You're dying from cancer, and you decide you want to go out, like yeah. James Bond. Hell no! I'm going out Thelma and Louise style, you know and what it's I'm like saying? great. Like, let's hire. I can set that up for you. Yeah, let's hire 50 police cars right now. We can get this done for you. Like that would be an awesome idea. Hell yeah! This is a great fic that Bunny has created. Yeah. The D team instead of the A team. We're the D team. We help you die in the way that you want. Maybe you don't want to get take control of your own death. Yeah. With the D team. With the D team, you decide how you die. Yeah. Great idea. All right. So I'm already working in marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, although me personally, I actually had a dream a couple of years back of us getting hit by a giant meteor, and I found that that process kind of fascinating. I'd be okay with being hit by a meteor because uh, of, of all the edibles I have. All I'm saying is that if the meteor hits, we're going to be vaporized. So I'm good. I'm good with that because I'm not going to feel it. I'm going to be here and then I'm not. Yeah. That's my thing. Like, it's a blink of an eye. Less than that. And I'll be gone. Yeah. Okay. Meteor, I'm okay with. I'll have an Oculus Rift on my head that will show me everything I'm looking at except the meteor is now a giant jigglypuff. <gasps> Just coming directly for me. Bunny, how See, would your young... I kind of picture it like you'll be looking at the meteor and it'll be far away 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 and then it'll come up really fucking quick. Yeah. That is, unless Bruce Willis and his team of drillers get to it first. Yeah. Well, NASA is up there right now trying to push a meteor off course. I don't know if you heard this news. This is actually happening right now. Well, and Russia blew up the satellite. And I want to find out which way they're pushing it. That's a good point. You know, because really... Let's just finish this. Okay, so this film, 
was written by the husband and wife team of Zoe Lister-Jones and Daryl Wine. And it was directed by both of them, Zoe Lister-Jones and Daryl Wines. And Zoe Lister-Jones, one half of the writing and directing team, also stars in it. So Liza is played by the woman who co-wrote and co-directed the film. Uh, it was filmed during spring and summer of 2020 in the thick of the pandemic and the lockdown, which gave it a great apocalyptic feel. The actress Kaylee Spaney who plays young Liza. She looks like she's maybe 14 or 15. She was 23 years old when she did this. I had kind she, of a feeling, yeah. Yeah. She also starred in the reboot of The Craft, The Craft Legacy, which was also written and directed by Zoe Lister-Jones. So Zoe Lister-Jones, uh, name to remember, this film just perfectly uses the pandemic in a way that's just great. It, it's quiet, fun, quirky. Variety called it science fiction light. Mm, and, okay. Yeah, like my wife said, the film definitely uses the world in a way that you'll never be able to use it again. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's the thematic equivalent of a weighted blanket it's my new comfort film and i i love it very much uh colin hanks is a man who's dating an interior designer of strip clubs i like that charlie day and his really and his real life wife are opening their heart shakers which <laughs> i liked Polly shore did a mockumentary called Polly shore is dead yeah. A mockumentary about him faking his own death, and then he gets depressed because everyone is happy that he's dead. Yeah. So I like the fact that that Pauly Shore, it, with all of his troubles in this film, manages to live to the end of the world, and he's super happy about it. And he says, oh, I should have died a bunch of times. And it's like, yeah, I saw that mockumentary, and it was all right. Well, I see, I, I just find Pauly Shore in general should just be kind of an interesting case of a human being and celebrity. Because, like, he didn't do anything wrong. You know, yeah. like... God, especially compared to now, where, you know, people are coming out in favor of killing black people in cold blood. Yeah. You know, and and, like that's okay, and you could be a congressperson. Paulie Shore, like Colleen McCulkin, Colleen McCulkin, these two people, like, never did Colleen anything. McCulkin. And all of a sudden, the world just, like, turned against them. Yeah. They're like eighth-grade girls. What? Other people, they're like eighth-grade girls. Yeah. It's just like, ah, oh, fuck Paulie Shore. Like, Paulie Shore now shows up in things, and Paulie Shore is the joke. Yes. He shows up as himself. But that's right, and that's it. That's yeah. all he has to do is he just has to be Paulie Shore, and we all fucking laugh at him. That's a hell of a I'm thing hoping, to have to deal with. <laughs> I'm hoping that eventually he'll get his turn, because a lot of people are coming back right now. Yeah. I hope that... Polly Shore comes back. I, I'm really happy with the way I explained Britney Spears in, in one past episode of the podcast. 
Britney Spears went a little bit crazy, and we all laughed at her. Then a pandemic happened, and we all went fucking crazy, and now it's hashtag free Britney. <laughs> so I'm always so, you know, we all came back, and we, we were all in general like, oh, yeah, she was treated like shit. I might have I... been part of that. Hey, free Britney. So I'm hoping, you know, a lot of people are getting a chance to come back. And hopefully... I, I give kid actors Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, like, I give them a pretty good, a pretty big pass for a lot of things. Because it's like... Yeah. I never fucked up on camera. Yeah. You know? Like, all the stupid shit that I did... Nobody was following me around filming all of it. Right. You know? And that's and that's what... So it's like, alright, you fucked up, you did something stupid, get on with your life. <coughs> Bunny, I have a question for Yes. You. Uh, how would your younger self see you? Now. That's what, that's what I started thinking with this movie. And it actually cheered me up because it uh, oftentimes now in 2021 I think oh man I'm going nowhere I'm doing nothing yeah. I suck I'm the worst I have nothing going on. But then I think of like I don't know like 12 year old me just suddenly showing up a YS a younger self like in this week's movie how it ends and my younger self looking at me and saying wait you're married, you have kids that don't entirely suck, you have a pretty awesome wife, you're going out as a woman and you're comfortable with this, you have a podcast, you have a YouTube channel, two YouTube channels, I think my younger self would be a, a, a pretty happy looking at my life that present me sometimes gets depressed about and that makes me feel better yeah. about my present situation when I think of childhood me being pretty stoked about everything. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, I just I get... have no idea what a childish me would see me as. When I was, when I was younger, I imagined like like, I don't know what I'm going to be when I'm older. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I want a wife and a family and a house and, a, and, and just, you know, I wanted to be happy when I grew up is all I wanted. And sometimes I get really depressed, uh, you know, as a middle-aged man living in the middle of nowhere, as a middle-aged woman in the middle of nowhere. But I think that if younger me saw me, then he'd be like, shit, okay. You read books to kids. You are comfortable dressing as a woman and going out and living your life and being your best self. And you have a wife who's awesome and kids that mostly listen to you. Fucking good for you, older me. And that makes present me feel better. Cool. And that's one positive that I can take away from this movie, How It Ends, which is probably why it's such a comfort film for me. I love this film, and more people should watch it. Yes, I, I, I do agree. It needs to be seen more. It's definitely, definitely well worth the time. Yeah. Love this week's movie. Anyway, that's all I've got for this week's film.
how it ends. Uh, Bunny! Yes? It's the Christmas season. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, you know, the, the last movie of the year is always Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Uh, we've got four weeks in December. And I have five films that we're going to be watching in the four weeks of December. I wanted to start somewhere different, and I found something that I'm really excited about. And okay. we're going to be watching that next week. I haven't uploaded it yet to our shared, <laughs> but I will right after this. It's a film from 2008. It's done by the band... Uh, I, I don't want to spoil it. Deflaming but lips. it's called Christmas on. It's yes, it's called Christmas on Mars. Have you seen this? I've I've heard of this movie. I I. We need to get ready for pain, is what I've heard. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm excited to he watch this. That. Steve from Blues Clues is in this. Is it? Is he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a musician and he's really good. He does the theme song. He he had a song. And I've been listening to it for like a decade. I found his CD, like at a at a I think a Zia Records, and I fell in love with the CD. And there was one song in particular that I really liked called "Mighty Little Man." And then I got really upset when I I I got really happy slash upset when I learned that it was chosen to be the theme song to the TV show Young Sheldon. Yeah. <laughs> on on one hand. Fuck, this song I like is the theme song to the prequel to The Big Bang Theory. I already want to vomit. On the other hand, Steve from Blue's Clues has a TV theme song. Fucking good for you, Steve from Blue's Clues. <laughs> You're getting sitcom money. Yeah. Good for you. Anyway, that's what we're doing next week, Christmas on Mars. And then the week after that, get ready for a double feature. You are going to be psyched for this. Okay. But next week, we're doing the Flaming Lips Christmas movie, Christmas on Mars. I've never seen it, and I barely looked up any information, but uh, that's what we're doing next week, and I'm excited about that. Entering the Christmas season. Okay, let me put it like this. Basically, this is what I've heard. Deep hurting. Nice. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. That's next week. You know, Christmas on Mars. And FYI, for anyone who's listening to this, it's free to download on archive.org. If you want to download it, it's there. It's just yeah. there. It might also, it might also be uh, on YouTube, I think, for free. I don't know, but, but archive.org, it's free to download, as well as every film in the original Godzilla, the Showa era. Every yeah. Godzilla movie's on there. Every Universal monster movie is there if you look hard enough. If you have the time. It's a lot of free stuff on archive.org is what I'm saying. So yeah, Christmas on Mars, 2008, next week. Uh, Going to be exciting. But now that I'm looking back at this week, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, the YSs, the Bradley Whitfords, the House of Gucci's. Uh, I got to say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. I think it's been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I felt the same way, but I didn't want to step on your toes because I feel like you're the person who makes that distinction and not me. But anyway, uh, I concur. 
with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. Wow, nice dramatic pause. And I am Reverend Steve, and on behalf of Natasha and Mal and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you just want to put your head. Do you, do you want to put one in, in in place of the kids? Not really. Oh. And you... Yeah. Just a quick shout out to Arson Cuffson. We are ending the show, so go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Bye. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do 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 Cut and print. Cut and print. Thank you, honey. That's a wrap. <laughs>